Greetings. This is Phil St. Romain. Thank you for tuning in to my Awaken podcast channel. This podcast is entitled Impeachment Survival Guide. It has a twofold focus to provide basic teaching on the process of impeaching and removing a U.S. president from office and guidelines on how to engage in discussions about this without damaging relationships with others. A written transcript of this podcast can be found at shalomplace.com. That's S-H-A-L-O-M-P-L-A-C-E dot com. And there you will also find a link to support this ministry. And now, our podcast message. On September 24th, 2019, Speaker of the U.S. House of Representatives, Nancy Pelosi, announced the beginning of a formal impeachment process to determine if the House should recommend to the U.S. Senate that President Donald J. Trump be tried and removed from his office as president. This is an historic event having occurred only two other times in the history of the United States, when President Andrew Johnson was impeached in 1868 and William J. Clinton in 1998. In both situations, the House voted to approve the Articles of Impeachment, and the cases were sent to the U.S. Senate for trial, where an acquittal verdict was reached. First, then, what do we mean by impeachment? Impeachment is the term given to a formal process of inquiry by the U.S. House of Representatives to determine if there is sufficient reason to remove a federal official, in this case President Trump, from office. Reasons for doing so are usually described in terms of high crimes and misdemeanors which can sometimes carry criminal status or signify, in this case, a betrayal of the president's oath of office. There are usually hearings by various House committees, and at some point, the House Judiciary Committee decides whether or not to recommend articles of impeachment to the full House for discussion and vote. If a simple majority of House members approves the articles, the President is impeached. But the next step is to send the case to the U.S. Senate, where a formal trial is held to determine if the President should remain in office or be removed. This trial is presided over by the Chief Justice of the U.S. Supreme Court, in this case Chief Justice John Roberts. A two-third vote by the Senate removes the president from office, and the vice president, Mike Pence, would become the new president. Anything less than a two-thirds vote leaves President Trump in office. A common misconception is that impeachment by the House is what removes a president from office. But from the explanation we've just gone over, we see that it is only a recommendation for a formal trial, very much like an indictment in other criminal proceedings. The investigations and discussions leading up to an impeachment can inform the Senate proceedings, 
but other related issues can be introduced as well. The impeachment process is inherently divisive. There will be winners and losers. These proceedings don't usually begin unless there have already been controversial incidents gathering steam for some time, with different political groups at odds concerning their significance. As tempting as it might be to just tune out all the noise, it's important for citizens to understand the issues and to give feedback to Congress. There's much at stake here. Even if the president is not removed from office, the topics debated and the process itself are sure to generate strong feelings on both sides. Many Democrats are still sore from the 1998 impeachment of President Clinton, and Republicans have not forgotten those members of their party in the Senate who voted to acquit him. Even if impeachment fails, there will be much dirty laundry aired out in public, and it will be difficult to forget what was said, not only by politicians, but by our friends and family as well. If we're not careful about how we share our own thoughts and feelings, we can damage meaningful relationships in ways that are difficult to heal. The remainder of this podcast will review strategies to help us preserve important relationships and participate in discussions during this politically stressful time. The first thing we all need to do is to be informed. Whether you decide to engage in political discussions or not, it's important to be properly informed about the issues. This entails, first and foremost, an accurate grasp of the facts. For example, the question of why the Democrats in the House have begun this process can be answered in many ways. Number one, they don't like the president. Number two, they still haven't accepted the results of the 2016 election. Number three, they think the president's phone call to the Ukrainian president in July 2019 might have included inappropriate and maybe unlawful requests for Ukraine to investigate the activities of Trump's political rival, Joe Biden, and his son in Ukraine. All three statements might have some truth in them, but only the third is the reason given by the Democrats for launching the impeachment inquiry. Judgments about motives might be relevant. For sure, they don't like President Trump. But it's almost impossible to prove that as factual and to judge a president on the basis of that. A fact, you see, can usually be corroborated are verified objectively. Motives cannot. In this case, the phone call in question did take place, and its contents can be verified. This is the material that triggered the impeachment process, and it is a core concern of the investigation. Of course, it's equally important to understand the President's perspective. He doesn't deny that the phone call took place, nor that he requested that the Ukrainian president investigate 
possible corruption by the Biden family. So President Trump actually agrees with the Democrats on the factual basis of the impeachment inquiry. Where he does not agree is that his behavior was inappropriate or unlawful. That's where things stand at this time. The scope of the accusations might broaden in time. That usually ends up being the case. Beyond the bare facts, there are other important considerations, of course. For example, the president is alleging that the Biden's involvement in Ukraine entailed considerable corruption. If true, that's a serious allegation, and it would add merit to his request that the Bidens be investigated. If not, then he was either mistaken or perhaps trying to deflect the discussion away from himself or to get something from Ukraine or some other reason. The only way to know which of these options is the real truth would be to obtain factual information concerning the Biden's activities in Ukraine. And obviously, it's impossible for ordinary citizens like us to do this. You'll have to do some research, read reports on the topic, and make up your own mind. Fact-checking websites like Snopes.com, PolitiFact.com, and FactCheck.org are good places to go to help sort things out. The Internet and cable TV also present a wide spectrum of analyses of the news, and that's a mixed blessing. A tendency by many these days is to frequent the blogs, news sites, and cable channels that they agree with, and to ignore resources they don't like. But such a one-sided approach doesn't help one become informed. Take a few minutes to tune into those other channels and websites where a different perspective is discussed. Internet portals like Google News or Yahoo News are also helpful in that they offer a variety of links to reputable websites. Being informed about the facts doesn't mean that you don't agree with one side more than the other. It just means that you can see the various points of view and even represent them in a discussion if need be. An exercise I challenge myself to do sometimes is to argue both sides of an issue in my mind and get a sense from doing so which one is more persuasive. A knowledge of the facts also enables you to stick to the core issues in discussions should you decide to engage in any. In fact, if you don't really have a grasp of the facts, it would be rather pointless to engage in the discussions. And so now let's talk about those discussions and go over some guidelines. But first, a word just to acknowledge that impeachment is a very divisive process. We've mentioned that before, and I think it bears noting that things are bad enough already and will probably get worse. We might or might not like the outcome, but we will nonetheless have to live with it, and with our family, friends, and co-workers as well. 
They will be with us long after the hearings are done and decisions are made. How we interact with each other during and after the impeachment process will bring us closer together or strain our relationships, perhaps even rupturing some of them. So let's go over eight guidelines for healthy relationships. Number one is to keep yourself spiritually centered through prayer, meditation, spiritual reading, worship, whatever kind of spiritual practice helps you to be at peace. Also limit your exposure to the endless cycle of news and commentary. It'll be drip, drip, drip. News flashes coming out all the time. But we don't need to keep up with every little development. Touch base only every now and then. This will help you to be more discerning about what to say and when. Also, in this step, remember to pray for the United States and our leadership, that we might come through this a better people and government. Number two. If you're not comfortable engaging in these kinds of discussions, or maybe you're a pastor of a church or some leader who can't speak publicly and openly about your position, then just say that you're keeping up but would rather not talk about it. There's no requirement to engage in discussions about impeachment. That's a choice we can all make. Have your explanation ready and rehearse it even in your mind so that when the time comes, you can gracefully bow out of a conversation if you need to. Number three, don't bother discussing this topic with people who can't accept disagreements, especially people who berate you for not agreeing with them. You can try refocusing the discussion toward facts and the significance you give to them. But if this doesn't work, there's no point in continuing. If you don't think your perspective and personhood are being respected, disengage respectfully, but quickly. As the wise saying goes, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Book of Proverbs, chapter 15, verse 1. So disengage softly. Number four, don't get hooked into debating tangential issues like what about isms? What about when Obama did this? What about when Reagan did that? And what about Nixon and so forth? That doesn't matter. That's a whole other discussion. Or bringing in conspiracy theories like the deep state, for example. Again, there's no way to establish facts about some of this, and it's besides the point. It doesn't get at the core issues. Try to refocus on those core allegations and rebuttals. What you and the other might think and feel about those core issues. Number five, really listen to the other person's thoughts and feelings and acknowledge their point of view by even repeating it back to them. So what you think is, for example, and you repeat it. This will help them to know that you both listen to them and respect them. 
and this is often the missing ingredient in difficult conversations. Number six, when disagreeing, simply state your position without judging the other person, staying as close to the facts as possible and the meaning you give to the facts. If you believe the other person is mistaken about the facts, point him or her to a resource that could be helpful. But again, if they're not interested in the facts, there's no point in continuing the discussion. Number seven, try to identify points where you and the other agree and call attention to this common ground. There are very few discussions where people disagree on everything. Usually there are some points of agreement. This will also help to clarify the areas where you disagree and the significance you place on those disagreements. And finally, number eight. Regarding those areas where you and the other disagree, simply agree to disagree and then let it go. Just let it go. Move on. Give up your desire to win the debate. Love one another. Have fun together. Change the topic. There's no point in discussing things again and again unless there's some really new information that sheds more light on the issue. You've probably heard it said many times that it's risky to discuss religion and politics, which is why so many shy away from such conversations. But it's also healthy to discuss these topics, as they are of vital importance to us as individuals and the society. If we follow these eight points that we've just been over, we should actually be able to grow closer to one another through this difficult time. Contact Congress. This would be a follow-up to your study and your discussions. Let your U.S. representatives and senators know where you stand on the issue. They all took an oath of office to support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic, and the impeachment process is a strong reminder to them of their duty to do so. They're also representing the people of their states and districts, so they need to know what you think and feel and what you'd like them to do. In the end, each of them will be voting their conscience, but your feedback to them can assist them in the formation of conscience. If you're not sure how to contact your representatives and senators, there's a website, www.usa.gov, and then backslash elected hyphen officials. That's a good starting point. They have a drill down process for helping you to locate any of these people. And often you can contact them online via an online web form, and there are phone numbers that you can call if you prefer. Be courteous, brief, and straightforward in your communications with them while letting them know what actions you encourage them to take and why. In most cases, you'll receive a response within a few days. 
In closing, we recall the words of Abraham Lincoln's first inaugural address in 1861. Facing the prospect of civil war, Lincoln said, we are not enemies, but friends. We must not be enemies. Though passion may have strained, it must not break our bonds of affection. The mystic cords of memory stretching from every battlefield and patriot grave to every living heart and hearthstone all over this broad land will yet swell the chorus of the Union when again touched, as surely they will be, by the better angels of our nature. More fundamental than our identification with the Republican or Democratic Party is our identity as Americans and children of God. May the better angels of our nature prevail during this time of political crisis.